Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hi guys, welcome back to the City Confessions. I am so excited to kick off season five with our second guest of the year. Today we have Alana Stacy. She's a New York State licensed acupuncturist, and I met her because she is my acupuncturist in Within, which is an acupuncture studio in Flatiron in Manhattan. And yeah, so we met, and I was like. Wow, she would be such a great guest on the podcast. So, hi, Lana. How are you? Hi. Welcome. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. I'm very honored that you wanted me to join. Um, I yeah, like Marin said, I'm a New York City acupuncturist. Um, we met through Within, which is a startup company in Flatiron, and they're working hard to make acupuncture accessible to people. So, yeah, I. It was really cool right away when we met. I could tell that we had a good connection, and I thought it was cool. You said, you know, you tried out a few other acupuncturists, and Mm -hmm. I think it's all about rapport and relationship, and that's why it's nice. There's so many different people there because there's someone for everyone, so I'm glad that we found each other. Yeah, totally, because, you know, I have always been an advocate for acupuncture, and it definitely has healed some of my um, health issues in the past. And I remember just going in, I didn't even know what to think about it. I was basically going in based off of whatever I was experiencing that day or that week. And I've learned from you that you have to be one, consistent, and two, it's like making a plan for each session and not kind of just going sporadically. Mm -hmm. And I think within really um, also just puts out like healing and prevention because in America, for the most part, we tend to like seek out medicine and help when we're actually going through something or like suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's like what I've learned to kind of prevent that and yeah, maintain your health throughout the process yes. instead of just that moment. Yeah. So why don't I, we be- yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say um, the founder. Dr. Sherry always talks about how um, we're really big on prevention. So when someone is feeling better from what they came in for, we kind of move them to like a maintenance plan of coming in once a month or something. Um, Because it's all about preventing you from getting to that point where you were sick or not feeling well. And she talks a lot about how in Chinese medicine, traditionally, um, you went to the doctor when you were feeling good, right? Like you went for prevention. And if you got sick, that person failed you um, as a doctor. So, and there, I've heard some people say, oh yeah, if you got sick, then you would get acupuncture for free because the doctor failed you, (laughs) which is interesting because we're so the opposite here. Like most people only seek out help when they're unwell, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of an interesting 
contrast. I love that you have come to understand over time that it's something that you do, right? It's not just this random thing that Mm -hmm. you like do for fun, like now and then, or just when you're not feeling well. And as you could tell, it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, totally. So why don't we begin by having you introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us who you are, what you do, and what your relationship is with New York City. Oh, I love that question. I mean, it makes sense with your podcast, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. my name is Lana. Um, as you said, I'm an acupuncturist in New York. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, I'm like proudly from New Jersey too. I know a lot of people don't like <laughs> Jersey, but I love it. Like I'm definitely a Jersey girl. I grew up by the shore. Um, like, I don't know if you've seen the show Jersey Shore, but of course, girl, it's like literally where I'm from. <laughs> Um, wait, side note, did you think that show was like an accurate portrayal of, um, yes and no. So the people who are on the show are not the locals of the Jersey shore. Like Mm -hmm. all all the people were actually from North Jersey, like Bergen County, like all like North Jersey areas or like Staten Island, Long Island. Like Mm -hmm. nobody was actually from the shore which I find interesting. So when I say, oh, it's true, because, yeah, in the summertime, I remember my hometown, like, I'm from Belmar, which is where a lot of, like, the stuff at DJs took place, that bar. It's so saturated and populated. I don't like it in the summer, because that's when all the tourists come, and just, like, it gets way too crazy. But that's when we call them Bennies. It's kind of (laughs) a negative term, but it stands for, like, Bayonne, Elizabeth, Newark, New York. (laughs) And that's how you get the term Benny. But that's like when they come down and so it's not even actually New Yorkers. So like it's called Jersey Shore because that shows the summer and the people that visit it. But that's not the local people year round. Got it. Um, So yeah, those are like the people (laughs) who live there are nothing like that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm from there and I moved to New York. I actually, it's interesting I've had a few different bouts with New York. Like I moved to the Bronx um, in college. I went to Fordham University and I was at Rose Hill. So not the Lincoln Center one. And I lived in the Bronx for four years. And I mean, I was on campus, but you know, I was the area around campus was the Bronx. And I loved it right away. Uh, Looking back, living in Brooklyn is so different. Like, it's so cool with New York. Each borough is like a different country. Mm -hmm. In my opinion. Even within within the boroughs, like the different regions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We both live in Brooklyn, but my area is definitely totally different from yours. What area are you in? East uh, Williamsburg. Oh yeah, I mean, I, totally. They're they're so different, and I, that's what I love about New York. Um, but yeah, the Bronx was really uh, the part that I lived by, like Fordham Road, off like the D train, um, was wild, but in a fun way, right? Like there was just so much culture. There was always the guys doing like three card money, you know that thing where they like shuffle the things around. Mm-hmm. You have to guess mm-hmm. where the marble is. Yeah, there's always people doing that. Um, there was, are you familiar with Rainbow, the store? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a huge rainbow and like a Dr. Days. I don't know. I loved it. Um, it was so different from where I grew up and I definitely enjoyed it. And 
it was my first experience with the subway and being in New York. I remember the first time I went into Manhattan, I was terrified. I like didn't understand the subway (laughs) and now I can ride with my eyes closed, you know? (laughs) Um, But then after college, I moved home to New Jersey when I started acupuncture school. And then I was commuting on NJ transit. I don't know if you've ever ridden NJ transit, but it was like, it's the worst experience. Mm -hmm. It's, it makes the subway look like a luxury. Um, (laughs) It doesn't even run half the time. Um, When I was riding it, there was like that collapse in Hoboken happened. Oh, I'm not sure about that. It's like, so the the ceiling caved in because the brakes weren't working. It was like this crazy disaster with the Hoboken line. And then there was like bomb threats in Elizabeth and there was track fires. It was so crazy. I would get on the train and not know if I was going to end up where I needed to go. It was so bad. So I eventually moved a year later to Brooklyn and I didn't want to move to Brooklyn because I felt so cliche. I don't know. A lot of people from my area of New Jersey, like they moved to Brooklyn and they were hipsters now. And I just didn't want to feed into that cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, but my roommate. But now you love it. <laughs> yeah, now I love it. And I literally cannot picture living anywhere else. Like I don't want to live anywhere else. And like a lot of people, I think my relationship to New York has been tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in school, I just, I had a really unhealthy schedule. I was you know, going to class in evenings and then on weekends, nine to five Saturday and Sunday. And then I was working. So I just literally would have no days off for like years and seven days a week. I was either working or in school and I took my lifestyle. I was like, Oh, it's New York. New York's toxic. Right. And then I graduated and I was working out within and then another private practice. And I was working so much like 12 hour days And I burned myself out and I was like, oh, it's New York. Like New York is just a toxic place. Like the pace is too fast. Everyone's always in competition. This place is toxic. And I kept blaming it on the environment. Mm -hmm. But then when COVID happened, I realized like it's not New York. Like I do think New York fosters a sense of like competitiveness, but it was me. Like I made my schedule too crazy. I burned myself out. I fed into that culture when in reality, I could just change my lifestyle. And mm. I became all about living slow. Like I always talk about that, like slow living as opposed to fast living. Mm-hmm. And I quit my other job. So as you know, I'm at Within. I have like a side hustle thing I do now, but I quit the other place. My hours were much less. I have time now where I can just like take my time walking to the subway or get breakfast and get coffee and have a leisurely stroll. You know, I just really slowed down my life so I could actually enjoy the things that make New York, New York. Even in a pandemic, I've totally fallen in love with the city all over again because I actually gave myself permission to work less and enjoy it. Um, That makes me so happy to hear because I obviously grew up here and – I used to run around, you know, in the city from day to night and I would get easily irritated because there's so much obviously commotion and noise. And I would, like you said, just fed into it and I would just allow myself to not be in the moment and just like external forces really affected my day. And it was until I did a lot of self-work and traveling and I, like you said, told myself slow down like 
Yeah. And I had a moment where I would look up in the buildings and I'm like, wow, like right. the skyscrapers are beautiful. But I would right. never take the moment to do that. Like I would yeah. just rush. And I'm like, why am I rushing? Like I'm actually yeah. on time. So <laughs> yes, I totally, so, yeah. I, it's sad because I realize most people in New York, I don't think really enjoy it for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell myself, oh, I can't enjoy New York until I'm rich and I own like a brownstone or I'm, I'm have enough money to own this apartment in Brooklyn Heights. Like I gave myself all these parameters that I thought I needed to live happily in New York. Cause I hear people say that they're like, oh, if you don't make six figures, you're can't make it in New York. And like, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, like, I definitely don't make six figures and mm-hmm. I still have enough to go out to eat, like enjoy the things that they have here, treat myself. Like yesterday I went to Stadium Goods for the first time. Oh, I and like, there. Oh, it's like There's always a line though. <laughs> yeah, there's always a line. It's basically I feel like it's like a diamond store, but for sneakers. Like they have sneakers in there yeah. worth thousands of dollars. Are you like a sneakerhead? <laughs> um, I used to be, and then I stopped oh. and I'm very much mm-hmm. becoming one again. Like I, I bought a pair of Yeezy 500s when I was there. So you know what I mean? It's like, I'm doing well enough to do stuff like that mm-hmm. and make myself feel like bougie in New York and enjoy it. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I think people have this idea that you need to make a certain amount to enjoy New York. And that's just so not true. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's just as simple as walking around. Like, you know, I work by the Flatiron building and just mm-hmm. looking at that building and thinking of how beautiful it is and um how different everyone is here too that's something that I love my hometown that is why I started this podcast yeah sorry I don't want to interrupt you but yeah I I also I was like wow there's so many people in New York like when I actually took the time to kind of observe what was happening in my surroundings I became fascinated by people's stories and that's why I started this platform. I was like, oh my God, we should all talk about stories because we never take the time to actually mm-hmm. sit down and say, hey, let me tell you who I am. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you like what I'm about and all my struggles and just kind of normalize the fact that we are all humans. Yeah. And yeah, so that's why I'm like honestly with you with everything you're saying <laughs> about New York. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that you said that. Yeah, and I've, I've just felt so passionate about talking about the concept of slow living mm-hmm. because it's totally transformed my life. Um, so I you really think, so you think you would have came to that like concept and that mindset if it wasn't for COVID? I don't know if I would have. There was a lot of really fucked up things that happened in COVID, mm-hmm. but I do see this trend where a lot of people just were like, I slowed down my life. I spent more time with loved ones. And yeah, I think having that break, cause I was just running. I was just going from job to job. I wasn't even thinking I was just running on autopilot. And I think there was this desire to make money post-graduating because I was like, I was sick of being poor, you know, like in grad school, making like no money, working part time. Mm-hmm. So I was so excited to finally be working. And I very much was drawn into making money. And I was losing sight of the fact that I didn't even have time to enjoy it. And I don't know if I would have taken the time to stop and look at that if I didn't have that break from COVID, basically being like forced to stay home and re-examine my life. And another thing though, aside from COVID that I think really affected me 
um, in addition to the pandemic was, I don't know if I told you this. I don't think I did because I don't like my patients to worry about me. So mm-hmm. I try not to talk about my personal things too much. Um, but yeah, so in addition to the pandemic, um, my dad actually died in May. And oh my God. I actually, I'm so sorry I, to hear that. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, sorry to drop a bomb. Like on during no, it's the okay. Path, but I, I, I didn't want to tell my patients because I didn't, want them to feel like they had to take care of me, you know, like I'm there to take care of them. Um, but he died, I think it was, it was May 21st. And after that point was when I made it way bigger shift. Like, I think I'd been thinking about making a change, but I didn't actually quit my second job until that happened. And it was kind of this disagreement between me and her where she was like, I need you to keep the business running. I need you to get back, you know, it's almost going to close basically. Cause she was just a private person. And I felt all this pressure. I was like, Oh my God, my dad just died. I mentally, I don't think I can show up and help carry this business. Like, you know, it's different at within. I just show up and treat and they take care of the marketing and scheduling. You know, it's, it's easy yeah. relatively. And I only have to worry about treating and that's it. Whereas there, because it was just me and her in a private practice. Like there was just so many things I had to help manage And I was like, I can't, I don't think I could do this right now. And I felt I'm typically a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, oh my God, like, I don't want her to have to close her business because of me, because I can't show up. And my boyfriend just said, Lana, it's her business. Like she either will find someone else or she'll step in and run it because she had moved to Nashville. And um, he's like, she'll fly back. And if that's what she wants to do, she'll make it work. You know, like this isn't your responsibility. And I just, I had this moment of clarity and it's so funny because my mom always says to me, I was talking to her at the time before I made the change and she was like, Lana, she's very God oriented. I'm not, but she is. And she's like, Lana, just pray on it and God will give you the answer. And I laugh when she says that because I'm like, oh, like, fuck you mom. That's not how it works. Um, (laughs) But I'm like, that's not how my brain works. And, but it's funny. I remember like meditating or something and Literally, I woke up the next morning and it was so clear. I just had this moment of clarity. I was like, I'm going to quit. Like, I, I'm working too much. I need this time to, like, grieve. And within was really great. They were like, want to take as much time as you need. Like, like, they very much were on board with me needing space. And, um, yeah, so that's when I decided to quit. So it was it was COVID, but it was also losing someone um, mm. to COVID. And it was tough because there was a lot of it was weird losing someone during COVID because I felt like my grief got lost amongst the collective grief you know Mm -hmm. so it almost it sounds weird and selfish but I almost felt like I didn't have a moment with it because everyone was grieving got it so it kind of like got lost in the sauce like amongst everyone and I think what annoyed me is you can let me know if I'm getting too much into this but no um, girl I love it so everyone assumed that he died from COVID, right? Because that's when everything was going on. And that bothered me so much because it was so much more traumatizing than that. Like he died of a drug overdose. And that's also why I didn't tell people because you're like, oh my God, was it sudden? And if I wasn't close to someone, I, it's just, I don't know if it's shame, but it's this awkward feeling being like, no, he like died of an overdose. Because then people get awkward and they, like, don't know what to say. And I totally get it. I would probably feel that way, too. But um, it was – I think all deaths are traumatizing. Like, I'm not saying that's worse than him dying from COVID. But 
it's everything that led up to that moment, right? Like he was an addict and it wasn't just his death. It was like the ye- like the decades of dealing with his addiction that culminated in that moment. So it was a lot more than like he got sick. And and like I said, I'm not trying to dismiss that because I, I have friends who lost parents during COVID and it was so traumatizing. But for me, it was like the grief of dealing with basically being the child of an addict and having, oh, I think my phone just froze. There we go. Um, having to deal with his actions like my whole life before that. So it was this really weird thing and a lot of people because they assumed it was COVID were like oh we'll just remember the good times like people are just say the wrong things about death they're like that's what I learned through going to grief counseling people will just say like oh just remember the good stuff like carry that with you and people don't get like there was a lot of bad stuff that really overshadows the good stuff like I loved him but there was so much pain that I'm like still working through that I went through as a result of his using. So yeah, that there was like so much to unpack when he died. And I told my job, like I let them know, like, this is how he died. Like I need some time. And that shift really encouraged me to take the time where I was like, Mm -hmm. and, and you know, losing a loved one too, just the trauma aside, but knowing there's someone who I'm like never gonna see again is such a mind fuck like this is someone who I grew up with who I'm never gonna see again and it I think that helped change my perspective too on like how am I living my life like am I spending time with loved ones am I spending time to enjoy it why am I making all this money if I can't do anything with it and that's really when I made the change with work and developed this whole concept around slow living so I could enjoy it. And that's when I start. I'm like, I love New York. And it's so funny because I started developing this attitude when everyone was like, fuck New York, I'm leaving. Like, if there, I need more space. It's too, the rent is too damn high. Like everyone was saying all that. And I felt the opposite, you know, because like now it's yeah. less crowded, which, which is nice. But um, it's, I just developed this whole new attitude where I'm like, all I, it wasn't New York. That was the problem. It was me. And that's what I want to tell people when they're like, Oh, New York's toxic. I'm like, no, you're probably toxic. <laughs> you <laughs> like, can't I was, handle it. <laughs> yeah. Like I was toxic. I made my schedule that way. And as soon as I changed it, and I think a lot of people look outside of themselves to blame things, you know, like they're not looking at, Oh, well, how am I contributing to the situation? Like, how am I creating my own problems? And I realized that I was doing that while living in New York. And as soon as I changed my mindset and my schedule, my lifestyle was finally able to enjoy living here, you know? I want to just say thank you so much for sharing that. And honestly, when you were talking, I was like here with you. Like I heard everything. I kind of felt everything. And I think what's beautiful is that you also acknowledge that at the end of the day, your grief and your pain is valid and there's no such thing as like comparison right like I hate that so much too like comparing what you're going through with somebody else's because this is your experience right this is your life and like being able to honor that and say let me take time to go within (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of funny like kind of go within yourself and like really really take time to acknowledge what you're going through I think that's so important 
Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you. And I know it, it must have been difficult. And another thing you brought up was really interesting was people's responses. Mm-hmm. So I've been following like a lot of therapists on Instagram and just my whole mentality on communication has changed dramatically. I majored in communication, so I like to think, oh, yeah, I'm a great communicator. But actually, like what you were saying, whether it's grief or problems or anxiety or whatever, like there are certain ways to approach, (laughs) you know, like talking to somebody and we're not taught how to how to communicate in those very sensitive um, scenarios, which I think what our society needs to do more of. Yeah. Like there's like, no right there's no right or wrong response, but I do think right. there is like you can be a little more understanding. I don't know. Yeah. I think what I've learned through it too is people are so quick to want to fix it, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I tell someone something traumatic and they just want to make me feel better. And vice yeah. versa. I know I feel that way sometimes. Someone tells me something really sad and I just want to make them feel better. But in reality, most people just want someone to listen. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't even have to respond or say anything because a lot of times nothing they can say can make it better. They just want someone to like hear them and be with them in that moment. Like what you said, like, oh, I'm here with you in this moment. Like that's Mm -hmm. all people really want. And like another thing I've learned too is, you know, people, there's that saying like, oh, treat others how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Like, no, treat others how they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And I think it reminds me of when, um, I made a mistake recently. Someone told me that they were pregnant and I was so quick to say congratulations because, um, you know, she was older. I assumed she wanted to have a kid and she's like, no, like she didn't want to be pregnant. Oh, wow. And it was this quick thing where I realized like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said congratulations. Like she wants to terminate the pregnancy, you know, like, so it just, um, it taught me to just, instead of my first thought on the situation asking someone like well how do you feel about it um so that's been helpful is just asking and listening instead of projecting my own thoughts onto it Um, yeah wow this is like (laughs) it's a lot but it's like real and it's deep and it's reminding me a lot about my sessions in therapy and I kind of mentioned to you in in a few of my sessions that i enrolled myself in therapy in the summer and it's been so life-changing for sure I talk about it in my other episode but yeah and I think that in addition to acupuncture and like wellness and all of that like it's um it's definitely a lifestyle but it's a journey for sure yeah we haven't really talked about acupuncture I just wanted to know how did you get into it and yeah like I mean, right now, I feel like it's a little more, you know, in the media and more known. But when was the moment when you were like, yeah, I want to heal people by putting needles in their body? (laughs) Like, how did that? Yeah. How did you find your love for it? I love that question because I feel very, (laughs) it's a very special moment in my time, in my life. And um, I actually discovered acupuncture, I think I was 15 or 16. I don't remember. Oh I think I was a junior in high school, so I must have been 15 going on 16. And um, I was seeing a chiropractor, and I was going with my dad because my dad had a bunch of neck pain. And uh, I would just go because it was covered under insurance. Like, I didn't actually need 
chiropractic adjustment. Like nothing was really wrong with my neck. It just felt good to like get my neck cracked, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's preventative. It's, it's, it's for good health. Oh, no. And mm-hmm. he had an acupuncturist there. And I remember I, at the time I had mono twice. I had lots of sinus infections. I was never getting my period. Like I just looked unwell. Like I did not look good. Like I was like really into drugs at the time. Like I just was not healthy. And she basically looked at me. She didn't say this, but she kind of was like, you look like shit. Like, let me treat you. And I was like, who's this woman? Like coming up to me, like telling me she wants to treat me. And I thought it was so weird at the time. And I definitely, you know, thought it was like, I don't want to say like witchcraft because I feel like that has racist undertones, but it it was foreign to me, you know, and I, I was like, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. I thought it was illegitimate. Like I didn't, I'm like, this isn't real medicine. Like this is strange. And I had all of my biases against it. And my dad was like, no one, it's covered by insurance. Just go try. Like what's the worst that can happen, you know? And I went into a session and it sounds so superficial, but what I loved immediately was the ambience. Mm-hmm. Like she was playing this relaxing, like spa kind of Asian music, sound therapy, you know, like that kind of stuff you hear at spas. Um, and the room smelled really good, like eucalyptus. Like it was just so soothing. It wasn't like a doctor's office where it's like white walls and, you know, everything is literally like whitewashed and sterile and cold. Like she had a heater in the room. She had essential oils. There was incense. Like I just, I immediately loved that. And I felt disarmed, which was new in a healthcare setting. Usually you're just like cold and they're probing you and then they leave, you know? (laughs) Um, And it, the first thing I loved was she took the time to sit down with me and she asked me about my life. And I didn't get what that had to do with the fact that I never got my period or that Mm -hmm. I had mono. And, you know, she asked me about, like, my family and family dynamics, and it wasn't all at once, but she took the time to know my life, like, know my relationships, like, personal issues that I had, and I loved that I, I felt like I was her friend, you know, and I, I realized that's what I have with my patients now. I think some medical professionals might be like, you shouldn't be friends with your patients, blah, 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 but I feel like that happens sometimes when you have such a good rapport And I think it's crucial for healing to have someone know you like that and like those deeper levels of healing. So I loved that it wasn't just I was rushed in and out of the office. Like she would be with me for a full half hour talking. And I was kind of primed to want that because I had this chronic bladder condition pretty much since I was like five called interstitial cystitis. I wasn't diagnosed with it until I was 18. It's abbreviated IC for sure. And it's basically just inflammation of the lining of your bladder. And it makes you feel like you have a bladder. Like people who have this know what I'm talking about, but it makes you feel like you have a UTI when you don't. So mm-hmm. I would go to the doctors, get tested like, oh, it's negative. And there's this feeling who I'm sure a lot of people have chronic stuff going on that it's undiagnosed where it's like, is it in my head? Like if it's not coming up in tests, what's going on? And I think that's where Western medicine falls short is if they can't have a proof through a scan or test results, then it doesn't exist, you know? And that's not how Eastern medicine works. Like it's, I almost kind of felt like my symptoms were invalidated at the doctor's office. So they'd be like, oh, the tests are negative. Like they basically didn't have answers for me. And then I was finally diagnosed with IC and they're like, oh yeah, it's a condition. You have inflammation. 
But I was just, I call it the medical hamster wheel. And I see this a lot with patients with chronic illnesses. They're on this, or I think the other term I call is the medical carousel, where you're just being like in circles. They're pretending you from specialists. They're like, oh, we'll go to a gynecologist. Oh, go to a nephrologist. Go to a urogynecologist. And they just toss you around in the medical system and nobody's communicating. Like none of the professionals are communicating with each other. And it's just this disjointed form of medicine and um yeah like no one's really getting to the core of what's going on like they're just referring you to I can't think of the term where when people it's okay. say I feel how, like that that makes sense though like yeah, just going West- in circles basically yeah exactly and um I well so long story short I didn't have a good experience with western medicine I'm not anti-Western medicine. Like, I am very pro it, but I think there's a lot of ways it falls short. And um, I started getting treated by her, and it was, like, the first thing that worked. And there was a huge component of, like, trauma involved in the pain I was experiencing. And that was the first time someone ever asked me, like, do you have a history of trauma? Like, and no one's ever asked me that before. Um, And that was so powerful to finally be able to go into and that's where I realized there's this big connection between the mind and body um there's this book a lot of people I'm sure are familiar with called the body keeps the score and in it it talks about how I think it's like 80% of women who have urogenital pain have had some sort of like sexual trauma or abuse and that's just stuff that doctors don't think to ask maybe they don't feel comfortable with it But what I liked about Chinese medicine is it connects that mind and body stuff. Like it connects how we're experiencing our world mentally and then how we're manifesting that in our body. So yeah, that's how I was really drawn to Chinese medicine originally. It was this whole new world of medicine where I could incorporate psychology and medicine. Um, And I fell in love with it right away. So that that was my introduction. I was pretty young. Um, I studied pre-med at college, but I just knew that it wasn't the right fit for me. I wanted more FaceTime with patients. I wanted to touch them. I wanted to form relationships with them. And I knew I wouldn't be able to do that as a doctor in our current system. Um, So I chose acupuncture. And I've loved it since. I love that. I also really, like when people are doing what they love, it makes me so happy because you can totally tell when they are like super passionate about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like that cheesy quote, like, um, what is it? Like if you, if you like work a job that you love, you're not really working or something along the lines of, of yeah. like job. You're never or working work. a day in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love that. Um, So I want to shift gears a little bit. And mm-hmm. this is a question that I always ask my guests and that is what keeps you up at night? It sounds very, very simple. Um, So this can be physically, like if you, because I always come to you and I'm like, I didn't sleep well. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm anxious and I have like a racing mind, but that's just me. But like, or obviously metaphorically right now, like in this moment, if you can share just like what's stressing you out, like what are some of Mm. your concerns? Because I don't think, again, we take time to really check in with ourselves. And if we do, we don't tell people. You know, people say like, hey, how are you? Like, you're going to be like, oh, I'm doing well, even if you're not. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I feel bad because I'll be honest with sleep. Yeah. Like, I, I get it's more like what's stressing me out. But yeah, with sleep, I sleep like a rock. Like, I fall asleep within minutes when I want to go to bed. I'm oh, serious. I, I'm so it, jealous. It was never this way before. Like, I used to be up for hours as a teenager. I would not be able to sleep. I had insomnia. 
Um, at the time I was also like really deep into using different drugs and was on lots of like amphetamines and caffeine. And I think that played a part. I literally don't drink coffee at all anymore. I have no stimulants. I think that helps a lot, but yeah, I, when I go to want to sleep, I pass out. Like I'm so tired from the day and I'm so ready to like check out. Um, so unfortunately I don't have anything that like literally keeps me up. But in terms of more generally things that I could answer, like what's stressing me? Yeah, that's usually the okay. lot of people. Do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, dropping coffee makes a huge difference for people out there. But oh, um, I don't know about I, that. <laughs> it's hard. I used to drink six cups a day. Oh my god, now, you're crazy. Oh my god, that's a lot. <laughs> but now I don't have any. So I'm not like anti it, but it helps with sleep. Um, but I'd say in terms of what's stressing me out. Um, and honestly, mm-hmm. wait, let me just chime in and say, it can be nothing. You can honestly be living your best life right now. And that's, <laughs> that's awesome too. We are here to celebrate yeah. our wins and that's to talk so about true. our lows. Huh. So don't feel like you're searching for something. If you are really like cruising, yeah, that is fine because we all have faces and mm-hmm. that's just life. I, yeah, I will. So, I mean, okay, I will admit, I think I am cruising right now in life <laughs> and enjoying it. But if I, okay, if I'm awake at night, like I wake up in the middle of the night or something, I think something that does keep me up that I think about is that I feel like our country is shifting in a dramatic way economically and government wise. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it stresses me out because I think it's needed, but I think I'm worried because I think I can go in one of two directions. Like, I think the left is becoming very, I hope you don't mind I'm talking about politics, but the left and right are becoming very extreme. Mm -hmm. And I know people joke around about having a civil war, but sometimes I don't think we're that far off from it, you know? So I think that's something that, like I said, I don't know if it's a stressor because I think it's needed in a lot of ways, but like changes it's in the back needed. of your mind. Yeah, that's something I don't really think about. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Like, are we really mm-hmm. getting close to irreparable like climate despair and the world is gonna end in ten years? Like, I don't know if you've seen that clock in Union Square that shows uh, yeah. 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 That really stresses me out. I look I at know. that, I'm like, we have seven years to live. <laughs> and then I think of okay, so this is a specific thing that keeps me up. Like, I think of who's going to be my out when like the earth collapses and implodes. Like I'm searching for my friends who have connections with Tesla, who work at Tesla. So I can get out like on a spaceship from Elon Musk and like go to Mars. Um, so I, that's like, actually where I want to be in Mars. Where? I like Mars. Yeah. I feel like it's more of a appealing planet for me. <laughs> yeah. It's I, and then I'm like, who's going to be my in? Like, how am I going to get there? And then, like, maybe I'll have an in because my boyfriend is, like, a quantitative, like, physicist and they'll need him. So I'll, like, have an in through him. But, yeah, this is something that keeps me up is I'm, like, how am I going to get my in to Mars? Because I'm not going to take everyone, you know, sadly. Honestly, that is such a valid, you know, thought. (laughs) So I think everybody should keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah. I've been, I'm, like, I'm trying to see who I have connections through. (laughs) That's, that's well, you let me know because now I have a connection with you, so you yeah. can give me the, the the secrets and all that. Definitely. 
Okay, so a few more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really curious to know how do you define success and what does happiness look like to you? Because I know you spoke about, you know, like your your what you went through this summer or last summer actually and mm-hmm. how it really just changed your mindset about life and slow living. So right now, and, and, and also you mentioned, you know, back then you were like, okay, I need to make – six figures to be successful or happy so like right now what is your when you think of success and happiness like what do you envision yeah um huh or are you do you feel right now you you have yeah achieved that that, that's such a good question I think success for me is achieving the goals that you set out for yourself um I do think of them in more of bigger long-term goals, such as like career and life stuff, but it could be like success to me is being in healthy relationships with people, like not just a romantic one, but with family and friends, like having healthy relationships and hitting your goals in your career or not your career. Cause I know some people don't choose career, but um, yeah, I feel like it's just, achieving your own goals not the goals that society gives to you Mm. yeah I love that okay and then my podcast is called the city confessions so as we are you know um winding down this episode I would love if you can share a confession and I want to put a little disclaimer so I think a confession is different from a secret in the sense that a confession is something that you actually want to share like it's like you will feel so liberated when you share it and I was alluding to you well you already know but like with my surgery and all that it was very like I'm such a private person and it took me three years like three full years to really come to terms with what I went through and I started the podcast also because of that to kind of shed light on vulnerability and, you know, let 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 it be like known that okay, I've also okay. been through stuff, but I'm good and everybody else is definitely going through their own struggles. So that was kind of my confession. But there's no right or wrong confession and you don't need to – there's no such thing as like a – like it doesn't have to be like a serious one mm-hmm. because um, – I know that you obviously have shared a lot already. So it could be something lighthearted. So however you take it. Mm-hmm. But if you were to share a confession, Alana, what would that be? Oh, this is good. Um, <laughs> okay, this this is totally I mean, I, I feel like you shared a lot. So. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. This is, this is like a, a more lighthearted one. But I, I'm just, I was trying to think if okay. there's one that is new york based Hmm. do you want it to be like a new york thing it can be anything this is like literally however like when i said it what came to your mind Hmm. okay so yeah my this is something i want to share my confession is that i am very addicted to my jewel and People are surprised when they hear that because they're like, oh, you're an acupuncturist, you're in healthcare, but I'm so, I don't know, nicotine was like my last vice that I gave up. Like I'm like totally clean from mm-hmm. like drugs. I don't drink anymore, but like my jewel was like my one last thing that I just didn't want to give up. And I wanted to share that because 
I don't like giving off the persona that I'm this totally healthy, like organic, vegan, gluten-free, like that's just an unsustainable lifestyle. And I think people need to have vices. I'm not condoning smoking or anything, but I think it's important for people to like let go and enjoy vices and not obsess over being totally healthy. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's my patients are always really surprised. Yeah, I, love that. I, I love that. You're, you're so honest. I think yeah. you also, yeah, I think that's another thing. So another question when people don't know what to, what to come up with when I say confession, that is actually what I ask. I say like, what is one misconception that people have of you or something that you, they wouldn't ever, huh. you know, guess. So it makes perfect sense. And Again, I really pride myself on this platform being super raw and like yeah. real at the end of the day, what you think somebody, you know, again, like their confidence or whatever, it's like never it's never what appears. That's right. like so much more. So I love that you are super honest. And I wanted to take a moment right now to just send you um this positive energy and appreciation for you showing up. For you saying yes to being a, sh- a guest on my podcast and for sharing your beautiful story. I think I mentioned this to you before, but when I came across you, um, I like to call you my healer. Um, I I felt this like crazy, comfortable energy. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like telling her stuff that I would not say to anybody mm-hmm. else. And it was it wasn't even that we had these like personal conversations. It was honestly energy. Like I'm huge on energy. And I was like, whoa, she and I are totally vibing on the same frequency. Mm -hmm. So I love it. And I need to just kind of tap into that. So yeah, I'm just so appreciative that you um, showed up. And I know time is something that you can never get back. So the fact that you spent the last 45 minutes with me, um, I'm just super grateful for that. Oh, thank you. And I want to say too, like, thank you for being so amazing and being open to that energy. Like it's not everyone who can be in touch with that and feel that connection. And whenever people say that to me, I'm totally the believer. Like I'm just a mirror of you and you attract what you put out energetically. So thank you so much for having me. I love that. Okay. One more question. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your superpower? Huh? I think my superpower is being extremely absorbent. Mm. And I think that comes out the most with my patients. Like I pick up on, you know, when people talk about reading energy, they think it's this esoteric thing. It's really not. It's just observing like, how's the person, how are they moving their body in space? Like, how are they acting? How's their attitude, their facial expression? You know what I mean? It's all these things that add up to their energy. And I think me being so observant is what makes me a good healer and a good friend and like a good listener. So I think that sounds corny, but I think that's my superpower. No, there's no such thing as corny. Corniness. <laughs> I love it. All right. So now is your time to plug away. I know that you do house calls for acupuncture. So why don't you just tell my listeners kind of what you're up to, where they can find you. I mean, I'm going to leave all of your information in the description box. So be sure to check that out. But right now, do you have any secret projects? Like what can you reveal um, that you have upcoming in 2021? Thank you so much for asking. Um, as you know, as we mentioned, I work at Within, which is a 
Acupuncture clinic in Flatiron. They have really affordable prices for acupuncture. People are unsure about it. Um, they're new to it. So that's somewhere that I work um, full time. But aside from that, I do have my own side hustle and I do house calls for people. Um, I started doing it in COVID because people a lot of times still don't want to come into the clinic. They're nervous. They want to get treated at home. So I come to you. I bring, if you want, I can bring my table. I bring all my supplies. We do like cupping and moxa all this acupuncture and Chinese medicine stuff. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. My name is just lana.stacy.acupuncture. And my website is on there. But if you just type it in, it's just lanastacyacupuncture.com. Um, all my contact information is on there. Uh, I've been releasing, you may have seen a bunch of videos that I worked on with yeah, my friend who's a videographer. Awesome. Yeah, he's so talented. Uh, we did a bunch of really cool footage on kind of just doing like a promo video for me, but like what I do and he made it look super cool. So I've been releasing those and I have a big video that's coming out um, sometime next week, probably. So we're going to continue to release footage from that. And yeah, just showing people what house calls are like. Um, so those, those are all the ways you can find me. Oh, I love that. Also, I love your name, by the way. Thank you. There's like such a ring to it. Like Alana Stacy. I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> I never realized that Stacy is not a last name until I was older. Be like, oh, you have two first names. I'm like, do I? Like Stacy's a last name. No, it's like perfect. It like rose and down <laughs> rose along your tongue really well. It sounds great. Thank so I'm like, you. yeah, you have such a good name. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've come to work with you too. Thank you. <laughs> well with that being said thank you so much and i hope you guys enjoyed this episode again if you want to well not if you want to you should follow lana and everything that she's um doing i will leave again in the description box so check that out and stay tuned for next week's episode all right bye